The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. I'm Lyle Schmidt. I'm the transition pastor here at Highlands, and we are on a road trip. And that was a, a, a video my son showed me, and I said, oh, man, i got to find a way to show this on a Sunday, Sunday morning, the Robin from Reliant. Um, if you want to ever want to watch that video, he rolls that thing about a dozen times, so um, it's quite an quite a interesting thing. It, it's one of those videos that makes you go check the emergency kit in your own car <laughs> to make sure you're ready if anything somewhat similar like that happens to you. You know, I, when I started making trips to Highlands, I, I went and the first thing I did was made sure my AAA card was up to date. And it's helpful when your son worked at AAA. And that's why I get great things like shirts and other things. They, people often say it's not a job, it's a wardrobe, right? Always getting stuff for things that, uh, to wear. You know, we always need to be up to date with those things that can help us along the way. Do we have our insurance and registration? Is that in our glove box and are we good to go with that? I, I recently checked mine just to see what was in there because you know what? You forget. You stuff stuff in your glove box and you forget what's in there. I found a, a, a deck of playing cards. I'm not sure. Maybe for when you break down, you, you play cards. There was a, there was a, a wine opener in there of all things to be in a pastor's car. Uh, you know, we look and forget, but it's something we should all know what's there that, that help us along life's journeys. And, and, and especially when we're driving long distances, we want to make sure that, that we have what it takes in order for us to succeed, to get to our destination. That's what was happening in the early church as they began to spread from the, the area of Palestine out into the world of the first century. They were told by Jesus to go. They were commissioned by him to go. But he knew they could not do it under their own power, under their own skills and abilities. They were just basically a bunch of fishermen. And so he told them, I'm going to give you some resources. I'm going to give you what it takes to have a successful journey, to take this commission and fulfill it successfully. God empowered them, and God empowers us still today. That's why we gather on a Sunday morning to feel God's presence, to become empowered to face the difficulties of the world around us and the challenges life brings, and to take what God has given us and multiply it out into the lives of others around us. This morning, we're looking at the second chapter of Acts, Listen to what the writer has to say about the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is really 50, Penta, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. This is what he says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came in the heaven, from the heavens and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them 
were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. God commissioned the disciples, the church, and us today and sent us out on a mission. But first, he wanted us to make a stop at the auto club. He wanted us to get the resources that we would need so that we could fulfill that trip. And and it's great to go to the auto club. They have all sorts of things, maps, paper maps, (laughs) that you don't need a, a, a signal to actually look at. But you have to know how to fold them. And if you don't know how to fold them, you can be in real, real big trouble. So they have maps. The other great thing about auto clubs, they have coupons and discount things for, for various things, especially places like Disneyland or other amusement parks. Great things to get at the auto club. You sign up for road service, especially the 100-mile towing package. You want to make sure that you have that long-distance towing thing. Motel information, where to stay and whether they're any good or not, and also discounts on motels as well. Lots of things that we, when we go on a trip, we make sure we have. We make sure someone else knows where we're going and, and gives us information and gives us helps. But in the Christian life, so often we tend to want to just do it alone. We think we want to just one person show it. We want to just go on our own, and we don't want anyone to to tell us anything or help us. We don't want God, of all people, to pour anything into our lives because He might scare us, and we might be thinking we should be doing something that we're not. God wants us to know that the journey we're on is not one that He just sends us out helplessly to travel, but that He gives us the resources, the power to actually accomplish something, to actually do what He is calling us to do. Now, that first century, there's lots of things going on in that passage. There's this this wind that comes. It seems to come from from heaven and, and fills the house where the disciples are living. The word for wind is pneuma. It's where we get pneumatic tires. And so we also appreciate wind. If we don't have wind in our tires, we're not going too far. We need the wind of God to pour into our lives. The second thing that he said happened was this, this fire. And he said something that appeared to be fire. And you know, as I read that passage, I am, I'm drawn back into the Old Testament I I get images of Moses standing on Mount Sinai before a bush that is burning but not consumed. And God says, Moses, I'm sending you to Egypt to bring my people out of bondage. God sent Moses on a trip. And that fire is is a symbol of, of the presence and power and the ability to go and accomplish the mission to which God sends us. Moses didn't want to go, by the way. He, he was a stutterer, and he wasn't a very eloquent speaker. But God says, no, I, I want you to do it, and I will give you 
exactly what you need to accomplish. That's what God is doing here in this, this, this chapter in Acts. God is giving the church the resources it's going to need. And God still does that today. On Sunday morning, that's why we gather, to gain those resources that help us through daily life, that help us on the journey God has set us upon, to reach out and touch other people's lives around us. Now, too often we think our faith is something private and personal. And and indeed, there are those aspects about our faith. It is something that is solely ours. It is something God wants to touch us with. We cannot have faith for our neighbor. We cannot have faith for our spouse or our children. It is ours. And yet, there are those public aspects of who we are as a family of God, that God wants us to experience as well. Not the private things, but the the public. And that's why we have this whole passage here. It's about God filling these few people so full of His presence, they could not remain private any longer. And they began to speak and to share and to talk about who Jesus is, what God could do for others around them what Jesus accomplished when He died on the cross for each one of us. Something that was private and held in secret was now out in the public, out in the open, and indeed, it could no longer be hidden. It was such an amazing thing that that the people there were shocked and surprised by the boldness of the disciples. They were amazed by the boldness of disciples. And and I don't know how you feel about humor in Scripture. I think Scripture has lots of funny things that happen in it. I think God has a great sense of humor, by the way. I'm thankful God has a great sense of humor. And I think there's some of that humor here in this passage. When those standing there hearing what the disciples are saying say to themselves, they've had too much wine You know, that's a euphemism for being drunk. I don't know if you've been drunk. I know people who have been drunk. I don't know about it personally myself. I hear it's not a good thing, not something you want to be uh, be doing to yourself. But it's it's one of those things that... um, it's not a good good thing. I've seen people who are who who are drunk. Actually, I've seen people uh, who have had too much wine. We we're in the Central Coast wine country right here, and we see people who go to winery after winery, starting at 10 a.m. and by five o'clock, we all know they've had too much wine. Here's my observation: people who have had too much wine, they go deaf. They begin to yell at each other because they can't hear. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've been to the wine tasting rooms. They're, they're loud. They're noisy. Here's the second thing. All of the filters by which we uh, filter all of our actions and words shut off. And we no longer seem to have control and, and uh, of the ability to stop saying something. We say things we don't mean. We say things that we would otherwise not say because we would fear for, for whatever reason. But, but those filters by which we act and, and speak seem to, to stop functioning in our lives. That's what was happening to the disciples. 
They were speaking loudly. People around could hear. They were in a house, and obviously people outside the house could actually hear them. People from all over the world could hear what was going on. They were obviously speaking very loudly. And I believe they were acting a bit childish. Those filters by which others looked at them and said, you know, if that were me, I wouldn't be doing that. They couldn't help themselves. They were childlike in the expression of their faith. You know, we so often close the doors on our personal lives, on the inner parts of who we are and what we believe. We don't let people even peek in sometimes. But children are the opposite. Children, they live their lives openly and and, and freely expressing what they think and feel, sometimes too freely, at least for adults. But I think that's the way the disciples were looked upon this day that they were so bold, so outward in their expression of something so held privately that it was assumed they had had too much wine. You see, it was God in them that was doing this. It wasn't them. They, they said, it's just in the morning still. We haven't had anything to drink. It's the Spirit of God in us, filling us and pouring out. And this is who Jesus is, and this is what Jesus did Now, what is the Spirit of God, what is the difference it makes in our lives? Does it make any difference? So many of us, we we come on Sunday, we get charged up, and we hear music that's inspiring and uplifting. We sense the presence of God, and yet we leave, and somehow the feeling and the expression and that feeling just seem to dissipate when we enter the world outside these walls. God wants us to be people who express what He has placed in us, the resource of the journey of life, the resource of the great commission to go into the world and spread the good news about who Jesus is. Some of us think we're not qualified. Some of us think it was easy for the disciples. After all, they're the ones who heard the wind. They were the ones who saw the fire. They were the ones who were, were there that first Sunday of the birth of the church. We're just small people. We don't really know too much. There's somebody else who's better trained. There's somebody else who has better gifts and skills. You know what? This passage doesn't say that about any of the disciples. They were all different. They were all different guys. Some of them caught fish for a living before. Some of them collected taxes They did all different kinds of things. But the passage says that the Spirit of God stopped and touched each one. It did not skip any. It touched each and every one. The same Spirit, each and every one. You see, that's what God wants for us as well. It's not that we get something different than than our neighbor. We get the same Spirit of God filling our lives. Now, our calls and and who we touch in our lives is, is always different. But it is the same presence of God in our lives. God does not skip us, but His presence and His power are given to us as our resource for the journey. And it's not an easy journey. 
as I'm sure you're well aware. But it's a journey we need those amazing resources of God's presence. We need to check our glove box from time to time just to make sure the right stuff is still in there. The things we're going to need for the road is our understanding of God's Word, the guidebook of life. Is it still in there? Or did it get buried with all of the receipts from various stops we made? Are the emergency stuff we might need, are they in there? What's in our, our glove box that's going to help us accomplish the journey God is calling us to go on? We need to check that from time to time. You see, God doesn't want us just to collect a bunch of stuff as Christians. He doesn't want us to collect faith stars brownie points, whatever you want to call them. When my kids ask me what they can get me as a present, I always tell them I want a consumable. I don't want something I have to put on the shelf and dust later. I've got far too many things I'm dusting already to want another thing that I have to take care of to protect and, and, and keep from being damaged. Give me something I can use and use up and throw away the container right? God wants us to receive His consumables. He doesn't give us things so that we can collect them. He gives us things so that we might use them. The church is not a museum. The church is a workshop. It's where we gain the tools and the, and the resources to face life, and to succeed, to overcome the difficulties that always come our way. It's a repair shop where we get fixed and then get sent out. You don't take your car to the shop and have them fix it and then just say, thank you, it looks beautiful, let's just leave it there. No, we get it fixed so that we can use it. You know, I love to go to car shows, and usually at car shows, if you've ever been, there are signs on these very expensive automobiles. Most of them say, please don't touch, right? As if your fingerprints are somehow going to burn through that expensive paint job that costs more than my first house. You know, I, I don't like that because I think that those things are much more enjoyable when we do touch them. I was at one car show and someone had put the sign up on their car, please touch me. What joy that car, that's the car I remember, Right? That's the car I remember because I got to touch it. I got to, to put my hands on it. It was real. It wasn't just something I stood back and, and looked at and said, my, how nice this person spent all this money fixing this old car. I got to touch it. I got to feel it. I got to, in a way, touch part of my heritage in, in cars. You know what? And that's the way God is with us. God wants to touch us. And He wants to allow us to touch Him, to experience who He is in a real way, in a concrete way. That's what this meal is that we're about to receive. It is the presence of God spiritually. The bread does not change. The juice does not change. But in partaking of this meal, we in a sense get to touch the things that God did for us his body broken, his blood shed. They're not something that just one person gets to taste 
and eat, and we get to watch. It's something that God has given to each one of us so that what He has done might be real, that it might be something we sense is not just something out there in, in cyberspace, but something that touches my heart and my body physically. That's the empowerment of God in our lives, the Spirit poured into us. And that's what gives us the resource to move on, to move forward, to know that what God did was real and that He really loves us and that He wants what's best for us along life's journey. The world is desperate to know these things. And as we move forward into the world, God wants us to take His gifts, His resources, and share them with others who long to hear, desire to know, to hunger and thirst for the very presence and reality of God in their own lives. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank You for the gift of Yourself. We thank You that You did not hold back in any way from us, but that You gave of Yourself fully. You gave of Your body broken on a cross, dying in our place, that You shed Your blood that we might be washed clean and pure from all that separates us from You. Lord, we thank You for that gift. We thank You that You love us so. Meet us in this hour as we come to Your table. In Christ's name, amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.